Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 79. 79, feeling fine. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, friends. To Gem Love. <laughs> How's everybody doing? How's your week? My week is good. Uh, I think I told you this, but Jen, today – so this is Friday. We're recording on Friday. But when this comes out, I am starting a three-week vacation from work. I can't even tell you how jealous I am. I wouldn't even know what a three-week vacation looked like. I know. Unfortunately, oh my, my child will be out of school for – I mean, I know that that is everybody's reality. That's your reality mm-hmm. all the time. So I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I, I hesitate to call it vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but I will not be working for three weeks. Like I literally am at oh, the yeah, end of a project. Yay. So it's not even like I have things on my mind. Like nothing's piling up. I'm going to be starting a new project when at the beginning of the year. But I am – off work, hopefully. Oh my God. Does it just like <laughs> feel so for like, well, I guess it will at the end of the day today. You'll just feel so free, like you're floating. Yeah, I imagine. Oh, I imagine. I'm man. very excited. I've been working really hard to make this happen. But also, you know, it had been almost 10 years since I had a day job, like a desk mm-hmm. job. You know, I had been doing freelancing and doing comedy full time. And I took this job. I'm kind of against protest. You remember. I was just like, I don't know. I just need like some date, like paid time off. We need a steady income. And so for right now, I'll take this job. And it's ended up being a real lifesaver, especially during the quarantine. And it turns out that I just work for a really amazing organization. They gave us two weeks of extra just extra time off. Like, I mean, on top of like everything else, like just like two free weeks for the end of the year. So I'm taking that time, man. Dude, that is amazing. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. You'll have to describe freedom to me. I'm going to, yeah. Through text messages. (laughs) I'm just going to send you a text message every day of just me (laughs) laying on the couch, eating bonbons. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, this is it. (laughs) This is what it's like. It could be you. <laughs> One day. One day. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so oh. hey, I before we get into our quickies, I have one quick correction. Uh-huh. It's actually kind of a big correction. So last week, I did a story about a couple, Morgan, and I was pronouncing her name Chaya. I said it probably 18,000 times, but her name, it's actually pronounced Kaya, and I feel so awful because that is such a bummer when people mispronounce your names, and I'm sure she gets it all the time. So I just wanted to say, I'm so sorry, Kaya. We loved your story, and I apologize for mispronouncing your name. And for everybody, go back. If you listen to it again, just in your mind, do a mental correction. Every time I say Chaya, you say take a drink, <laughs> and then Kaya. you say Kaya. <laughs> I say Chaya. You say Kaya. Kaya. Chai. No, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right. Thank you for that correction, Sally. You're welcome. You know, we all Watch fuck up sometimes. We oh, all fuck up. I fuck up all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's like my thing. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of – I kind of invented it. Um, dude, should we get into some quick haze? Let's do it. All right. You're okay. going first this week. All right. So, Jen, I got my information for my quickie this week from a Fox News article. Fox. Don't hold it against me. Fox Alexandra Diabler, Dabler, Alexandra Dabler. I apologize, Alexandra. I'm definitely saying your name wrong. <laughs> okay, so Jen, let me ask you this. Did you and Zach have a hard time deciding how to handle your last names? Did you ever think about hyphenating or um, – The only reason um, – I actually just had this discussion with my pal Justin Harder. Hey, Dustin. A uh, couple days ago, because he was wondering about that, because my name is Jen O'Neill Smith, yes. and my maiden name, I used to be Jennifer Ann O'Neill, and then right. when we got married, I thought that Jennifer Smith was going to be trouble at the DMV, trouble uh-huh. <laughs> at the doctor, trouble at the vet, trouble at the wherever there's 5,000 Jennifer Smiths, because right. there are no matter where I go, and so I'm... I changed my middle name to O'Neill. And so my legal middle name now is O'Neill. And I go by Jen O'Neill Smith just for sake of the fact that there are 5 million Jennifer Smiths. I can perform comedy with a name that's recognizable, but I could also use Jennifer Smith for my work email so nobody knows who I am. Yeah. I actually kind of did the same in that I – didn't change my last name. Like Ben and I decided we were like, we're going to both hyphenate. So that's what we had decided. So we were going to be the Chaffin Brooks. That was like our, what we decided, but (laughs) we never got around to doing it. And so I had just graduated from law school and I had my law license and it was all in Sally Chaffin. And I was like, I don't want to legally change my last name. We can just like informally go by that. Uh-huh. Um, but then when I started doing comedy, I used Ben's last name so that I would be anonymous because I was like, I'm still a lawyer and I'm publishing yeah. things under mm-hmm. Sally Chaffin and I don't want people I work with or people that I'm like coming in contact with to be able to Google Sally Chaffin and come up with these comedy videos. Yeah. So that's why I go by Sally Brooks for comedy and really in life now. My story today is about a couple that decided to both hyphenate, but they did it because they have awesome last names. So Kieran White and Tilly Christmas were first engaged Aww, in 2018. This is a holiday quickie. It is. Nice. During the holiday season, they decided to hyphenate their names and become Mr. and Mrs. White Christmas. I love that. I know. They were originally supposed to get married in July, but had to postpone because of COVID. But they ended up getting married on November 13th in England in a COVID-safe ceremony. They had just 13 guests. And the two high school sweethearts said they didn't really put much thought. They didn't really think about their last names until a friend tagged them in a photo and put the hashtag White Christmas. And they were like, oh, I guess it I guess it is kind of like, <laughs> does kind of go together. Oh, um, wow. And Tilly had said like she wanted to keep her last names because she's, she's like, I've always loved having it. It's a unique last name. And I really love Christmas as well. And it just so happens that I've married a man who has the perfect surname to go with it. And Kieran is also, he's like a total fan of adding Christmas to his name. But Tilly's like, I don't think he realizes how complicated having the last name can be. She said, I've grown up with the last name Christmas, so I 
I'm used to it, but I think it'll take a while for Kieran to adjust. I booked tables at restaurants during the Christmas period before and then found that the reservation wasn't made as they thought it was a joke. Oh. Seems like such a problem. (laughs) The white Christmases aren't the first couple this year with fun last names to get married. In September, a couple named with the last names Russell and Stover got married. and like the candy company? Like the candy company. And the candy company (laughs) found out about them and they actually threw them a chocolate-themed wedding. Oh, how nice. Yeah. And then later in October- Me and my husband, uh, Tiffany and Co. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany Co. Jennifer, Tiffany Co. I don't even care about jewelry. I don't know why I said that. I I could sell the jewelry for money. Yeah. But go ahead. In October, a couple in Tennessee named Helms and Mayo- Got a wedding <laughs> gift from yeah from the Mayo brand Hellman's, and they sent a jar shaped cake, custom bomber jackets because who doesn't want mayonnaise bomber jackets? And they promised the couple a year's supply of Hellman's mayonnaise. You know, <laughs> my husband literally has a Taco Bell tattoo, <laughs> right? Tattooed on him, and not a one gordita. <laughs> not a one taco. What have not these people done? Free. Yeah, I want to see you tattoo a Hellman's mayonnaise jar on your back. <laughs> then you then can get a lifetime su- supply of mayonnaise. Man, I want Zach to get a, a Taco Bell bomber jacket so bad. <laughs> oh, that's a good Christmas present idea. No, good thing he doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. He's been busy, he said. <laughs> oh, he's so busy. He's so busy. <laughs> Dude, that's an awesome quickie. Oh, man. That's my quickie. I can't believe none of us were thinking in these terms of like what kind of free shit could we get for name for our married names. I know. And also, we should have been trying to find spouses with cooler last names. Yeah, we really should have. And my uncle a uh, long time ago was married to a woman whose name was full name was June, April, May. <laughs> no. Not even in order. And then uh <laughs> and then so when she married my uncle, her name was June April Pizzo. <laughs> <laughs> but then they got a divorce and she was June April May again. Who knows what she is now? I have no idea. <laughs> so if you're listening, hi. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for my quickie this week? I am ready. Okay. I'm ready. So, you know, I literally just mentioned that I don't don't really care for jewelry, like expensive jewelry. I like, you know, fun, cheap jewelry. (laughs) But yeah, um, I'm not a you're the same expensive jewelry person either. And neither doesn't do it for me. Cared about our wedding rings as far as like the value of it you know this no yeah we didn't care about that this article kind of speaks to that it's an article for btw.com and it was written by ashley williams so this <laughs> happened right here in uh, savannah georgia All right. um couple christopher and candace smith who actually they own a phone and mobile device repair shop called the savannah eye doctor oh like i not e-y-e just i yeah that's so clever. Yeah, it is clever. So they've actually been married since 2007, and they have five children together. But Dang. just – Yeah. Sorry. And they just recently went viral when Christopher – he posted a picture on social media of a ring that he gave her, a brand new 
ring. And he said, she deserves it all. She finally has a ring. And in the second picture, it's her holding her previous ring that she says in the the picture that she purchased for herself from Macy's for $20. Yeah. <laughs> um way back in the day. And and I per, I bought myself a replacement ring from Amazon for $15. So I can relate. And so oh, anyway, yeah. my my wedding bands were from Amazon for I think like $25. <laughs> oh, really? Then a man in Jacksonville, Florida named Norenzo Haynes saw the post and he shared it on Facebook with his own caption. And he said, I saw this post and it really blessed me. This lady accepted the $20 ring and the relationship lasted long enough for him to get her the ring she deserved and always wanted her to have. This is the difference between proof of love and true love. True love will always outlast proof love. Proof love needs a big ring, a big wedding, an exotic honeymoon. All true love needs is the person they are committing to. I praise God for a woman that didn't need a big ring or an extravagant wedding, but 14 years in, and he was able to buy her the ring that she deserved. Ladies and gentlemen out there, please choose true love over proof love. But he said, but praise God when the man can give you both. And so since he shared that post on November 25th, it got more than 14,000 reactions, 63,000 shares, and 8,000 comments. What are people saying? And they had no (laughs) idea that they were even viral until somebody messaged them about it. And so while a lot of the comments are positive, you know, it's like so sweet that this husband bought his wife the ring that he thinks that she deserves after all this time. But they actually got a lot of backlash and negative comments because people were calling him a bum for her wearing a $20 ring all these years. Really? Which that's none of their fucking business. And everybody was like, oh, because she said that she bought the ring herself. All these people were like, what? You let her buy your own ring? Just had a lot of negative comments to say. And it's just kind of shitty. And also... They don't know this couple. And if they knew the couple, they would know that Candace actually did once have a proper, as they say, they're calling it a proper wedding ring that he bought her back in the day, but it was too small and uncomfortable for her to wear once she became pregnant. So she wore the ring around her neck as a necklace and she bought herself the $20 ring because it was more comfortable. Yeah. And then also this couple, they were only 20. He was 21 and she was 24 years old. And they put their energy into starting this business, that, right. which over the course of the last 15 years or so has become successful. And now he can finally buy his the ring that he thought that she that he thinks that she deserves. Thanks. Candace said, we were both young. He was 21 and I was 24 and we did what we could. He was a great husband. It's not easy, but I'm willing to make a sacrifice to build gener- generational wealth for our children. So I understood everything behind every step that he made. I just had to be patient and it paid off. My takeaway from the story is mind your business, right? When it comes to things like what couples are spending on one another. I know. I, I was a little I mean, put off by the man who retweeted it or who reposted it with his caption just because it makes it seem like women are, you know, it's like that trope of like women just are demanding all of this big rock and the big right, wedding right, right. and the big and like, okay, you know what? You don't know I, anybody's business. You don't know anybody's relationship. If they decide they want a big wedding and can spend yeah. the money or a big ring is a the symbol is important to them, then like 
who am I to be like, well, it wasn't important to me, but things that are important to me are not important to them. So, you know, right. It just, goes both ways. Right. Like, yeah. I believe the sentiment of focus mm-hmm. on the marriage, not on the trappings of like a wedding and a ring. Like, that is not going to last, you know? If they want a big wedding, they can have one. And if they want, if she wanted to buy herself a $20 ring from Macy's, then. Yeah. She can do that. Excuse them for being partners and supporting each other in a marriage and trying to build a life instead of following convention. Excuse yeah. them. Yeah. Very much. And they were just like a nice little couple just like – they thought they were just posting something to their friends. Like, look, right. I got a new ring. And then it turned into this whole thing and they got all this backlash. <laughs> it just makes me sad. It does make me sad. Well, oh, yeah, I hope yeah. they know that we support them. We think they're cool. Yeah. And uh, and when I go to Savannah, I'm going to get my phone fixed there. I'll break my phone just to go to the Savannah Eye Doctor. That's right. If you're in Savannah, break your phone. This myth. Break your phone <laughs> and let go them the fix it doctors. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. That's I love my it. Cookie. Was that good? Yeah, it's great. I I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jen. Hey Sally. Are you ready for a dark story? Yes. All right. My story, I got my information from an article on All Things Interesting by Wyatt Red, mm-hmm. an article on ABC News, an article on WFLA.com by Candace McGowan, and then two episodes, one of Killer Couples on Oxygen, which did you know it's no longer snapped Killer Couples? It's just killer couple. You know, I think I did see that and I was very confused. And I was like, yeah, what? I was too. I was like, oh, this is a different show. And then I was like, wait, I think it might be the same show. But anyway, killer couples and an episode of a show called Blood Relatives on your favorite, the ID channel. Ooh. And man, can I tell you that the uh, reenactments on – blood relatives were chef's kiss like just watch it they're pretty hilarious even though the story is very dark so in july of 2005 a man was walking in his neighborhood and he saw three teenagers drive a van down his street in tampa florida and then abandon it and he thought it was really weird and that the van was probably stolen so he knocked on his neighbor's door and together the two went to investigate they couldn't see through the van window But they found the back door of the van was unlocked. And unfortunately, inside, they found the body of a man. (gasps) He was bound and he had been shot in the head. They immediately called 911, but it was obvious that the man was dead Uh. even before they called. Like when they called, they said, there's been a homicide. So a decal on the van read Cassie's Gourmet Popcorn, and when police looked up the owner of the van, they found it was a 39-year-old man named Jeffrey Dampier, and when they looked at the photo of him, they realized that this was the murder victim. Oh. Yeah. So Jeffrey Dampier was well-known around Tampa, and not just because he was a local businessman, but also because he was a multimillionaire who had got his wealth from winning the lottery. And Jeffrey Dampierre was born in 1966 and raised on the west side of Chicago. He had served in the Army and worked as an auto mechanic. He was married and had children and was really close with his family. And in 1996, he and his wife, Deborah, bought tickets like they did often for the Illinois lottery. And they were getting the kids ready for church one day 
when Deborah checked the numbers and then checked them again, but they were all there. Jeffrey and Deborah Deborah had won the twenty million dollar jackpot. Oh my god! This Deborah like- said they just kept. Jump- I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. Oh no, I was just gonna say like this is like some curse. Of- Remember when they did like E True Hollywood Story, the Curse of the Lottery? Yes, this is one hundred percent the curse story. of the lottery. Yeah, so. Deborah said they just kept jumping up and down and saying to the kids, we're rich, we're rich. And and their lives changed instantly. They the family moved into a big house. You know, they had been struggling before and Jeffrey quit his low-paying job. And according to everyone, Jeffrey loved living the good lives. Like he but he was very generous. He was known to carry a large amount of cash on hands and he would give his family, his friends, acquaintances, expensive gifts and toys. And he also donated to his church and helped people in in need. And the community viewed Jeffrey as like a kind and generous family man who was willing to give anyone the shirt off his back. Everybody said he was always smiling. He was happy. He was had come into this money and he was doing good with it. But the money kind of came too quickly for Jeffrey. He was soon spending money because he was spending money all around town. He was, of course, attracting a lot of attention of lots of women. And he started having affairs and his wife found out. So he and and Deborah decided to get a divorce. And given the circumstances, they actually handled the whole thing pretty well. Like the divorce was amicable. They Mm -hmm. split the winnings. Like she took 10 million, he took 10 million, and they decided on joint custody of the children. And I think their children were mostly grown at this point, even though they were pretty young. Um, That's kind of uh, surprising when there's that much money. I know. They would just be like, so, like, well, let's split it. I mean, it it is amazing. The logical thing to do, but I feel like money always makes people do things they wouldn't normally do. I know. I think that that was like one of the most surprising details of this, even though it is kind of a shocking story. But like the ex-wife is on um, some of these shows. You know, she has good things to say about him Mm -hmm. and is very like unbitter about it. Like it just – I mean, I guess when you also have $10 million, it's easy. Yeah. But So as soon as the two split up, Jeffrey was back. He was living it up. But soon he was introduced to a beautiful young woman named Crystal Jackson. And everyone said the chemistry between them was immediate. Crystal's family was also struggling, and she had two younger sisters, a 17-year-old named Terry and 15-year-old Victoria. And when Crystal and Jeffrey started dating, he was so generous that the family's friends said that it was like the whole Jackson family hit the jackpot. Um, and even though sure. Yeah. <laughs> even though Jeffrey was happy to pay for everything, Crystal was pretty grounded. She wanted to keep her job. She wanted to live modestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like her sisters are teenagers and they were more than happy to take money. Pretty soon after they got together. By the way, are we being completely hypocritical that we were just like on the last quickie, like, it doesn't matter. Mind your business when it comes to couples and their money. <laughs> Mind your business. I'm just saying what what people said. <laughs> I guess it's different. It's different when it's like this is just like a nice couple with in love and with their wedding rings and like leave them alone. But then now this is like a different type situation, I guess. Right? This is like crazy money. But also, you know, I mean, he's dead, so we got to talk about his life. Right? Right. Yeah, we do. Okay, that's the point. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Okay, yeah. So Crystal was grounded. She kept her job. She continued to kind of live modestly. 
Um, but soon after Crystal and Jeffrey got together, the girl's father died by suicide, and they oh. ended up taking in her youngest sister, Victoria, for a little bit. And Victoria was the one who had actually found their father, and she was understandably very messed up by the whole situation. By the time Victoria was 18, she was described on Killer Couples as like this wild party girl, which I'm like, that sounds like an 18-year-old, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like she drank, she did drugs, she was attracted to bad boys. She had this boyfriend named Nathaniel who went by Trey. And like Victoria, Trey had had a tough life. As a child, his house had caught on fire and he was in it and he barely survived. He had been shot nine times in a gang shooting and survived. And so he kind of had this air of like invincibility. You know, he'd like had these brushes with death and had come through the other side. And he Mm -hmm. was he was a guy who'd been in trouble with the law and he was kind of known around the neighborhood as someone not to be messed with. Mm -hmm. But Victoria and Trey you know, they're young, they became obsessed with each other, they both had these traumatic childhoods, and they felt like they were each other's soulmates. So Crystal and Jeffrey got married. They decided to move down to Tampa, Florida. Jeffrey had always wanted to live somewhere warm, so they offered to move Victoria and their other sister, Terry, down to Tampa with them. They wanted the whole family to start over, and they promised Victoria and Terry they could have their own apartments. And so this prospect of, like, not struggling was too good to pass up. So Victoria agreed to leave her boyfriend, Trey, in Chicago. And Crystal and Jeffrey bought a house in this posh suburban neighborhood. And they set up Terry and Victoria in apartments in the same neighborhood. Jeffrey paid for Victoria to go to school and for her and Terry's cars. And some of Jeffrey's kids moved down there, too. And so he was basically funding the whole family. Wow. Now in Florida. So even though he had enough money not to work ever again, Jeffrey decided to use some of his winnings to open up a Chicago-style popcorn shop in honor of his parents who had opened a popcorn store in Chicago years earlier when they were struggling. And he called it Cassie's Popcorn after his granddaughter, Cassie. And I would also like to point out that at this point that Jeffrey is only 39 years old. Wow. So maybe part of the reason why he went so wild when he won the lottery is because he was a grandfather at 39. So Wow. Right. So the popcorn shop was successful and the Dampiers were quickly they they became part of Tampa's business community. Mm-hmm. And the popcorn shop was a family affair. Victoria worked there part-time, Crystal helped run it, and even Victoria's boyfriend Trey worked there because Trey had actually moved down from Chicago just a few months after Victoria. The two like decided they could not be apart. And so he was now living in the apartment with Victoria, the one that Jeffrey was paying for and paying all the bills. So that's the family. Mm-hmm. So as soon as police found Jeffrey's body, they talked first with his children who told them that they didn't know of anyone who would hurt their father, that he was this, he was known to be generous with everyone. So of course, everyone knew he had money. And then as you would think they would, they decided to look to see who would benefit from his death. And they set their sights on his young wife, Crystal, because she was the one who was going to inherit his money. So Uh Police go to question Crystal, and at first they don't tell her that Jeffrey's dead, just that they need to talk to him. And she's like, I don't know where Jeffrey is. I've been trying to call him all night. She said she talked to him earlier in the evening, and he said, I'm going to meet my children for dinner. Don't wait up. But then his children told her that he had never showed up 
as they had planned. And so Jeffrey said, I've been calling him, but my calls just keep going to voicemail. And police checked the phone records and they found that she was telling the the truth. Obviously, she had been trying to get a hold of him. So they basically were like, we don't think that she is actually a suspect. Mm -hmm. And then when they told finally told Crystal that her husband had been murdered, she was devastated. Like his children, she told them he was extremely generous and they had no enemies. But then detectives get a phone call from patrol officers. They had picked up a young woman who had been out walking the streets in the middle of the night. She seemed very upset. And when they questioned this woman, she said she had been in a fight with her boyfriend and had just started walking the streets and now she was lost. And this seemed like, okay, maybe it's a reasonable explanation to police. But then the woman asked to make a phone call and the person she asked to call was Crystal Dampier, Jeffrey's wife. So the young woman at the station was actually Crystal's middle sister, Terry. Oh, middle sister. Hmm. Yeah. So the fact that she was asking to call Crystal, Jeffrey's wife, Mm -hmm. set off alarm bells for detective because when Terry was picked up, she was found near where Jeffrey's body was. And remember, the neighbors were the ones who actually found the van and they had seen – one of the neighbors had seen the people who abandoned the van and like ran from it. And she matched the description. Oh, wow. Of one of the people who had been seen abandoning the van. I mean, the guy had described them as teenagers, and she, but she was young. She was in her 20, early mm-hmm. 20s. So police started pressing Terry. They were like, why were you really out? And she quickly changed her story and said, I'm, I, I'm going to tell you everything. <gasps> she said she had been in the van when Jeffrey Dampier was oh murdered. Oh, my God. So according to Terry, Terry had been over at Victoria's apartment earlier in the day with Victoria and her boyfriend, Trey. And Terry said Trey had left the apartment and the sisters were planning to watch a movie. But Victoria was like, I have to take care of something first. And so then Terry said Victoria called Jeffrey and asked for money to help paying bills. And Terry could hear Jeffrey on the other end saying, I'll stop by on my way to dinner with my kids. And Terry was surprised when Victoria asked her to go into another room when Jeffrey came so that Jeffrey didn't know Terry was there. And Terry was like, Jeffrey's my brother-in-law too. Like, why would I do Mm -hmm. that? So Terry said she thought it was weird, but she went into the bathroom to make her sister happy when Jeffrey got to the door. But after a few minutes, she hears shouting. And so Terry said she went out to see what was happening And she was shocked to see that it wasn't just Victoria and Jeffrey shouting, but now Trey is there too. And Trey has a gun that he's pointing at the girl's brother-in-law. Oh, my God. She said Trey was yelling. He was demanding money. He was asking for Jeffrey's car keys. And Terry said she was very scared. She tried to leave. She was going to call the police. But that Trey pointed the gun at her and told her to stay put. He told her that if she moved or tried to call the police, he would kill her and her child. Oh, my God. So then Terry says that Trey told her and Victoria to tie Jeffrey up. But while they're doing this, Jeffrey is like, I don't have any money on me, even though he was coming over to give Victoria money. He tells them, I'll give you my credit cards. But Trey was like, no, Crystal will shut those off if she knows we have them. And so then Jeffrey is worried that Trey is going to shoot him. So Jeffrey says, I keep all my money in a safe at the popcorn shop. Let's go there. So they all get into the van. Jeffrey's tied up. But before they could even get to the 
popcorn shop, Trey <gasps> pulls over the van, gives Victoria the gun, and orders her to shoot Jeffrey. Oh, my God. And Victoria is crying and saying no, and Jeffrey's screaming over and over to shoot him. And eventually, Victoria gives in, and she pulls the trigger, killing her brother-in-law, oh Jeffrey. Oh, my God. And Terry says that she eventually was able to jump out of the van and run, and that is when she was later stopped by the police. So police get this whole story from Terry, but they're suspicious. They're like, if you had nothing to do with the murder, why hadn't you gone called police? Like, why were you just wandering the streets? And like, why would Trey and Victoria even want to kill Jeffrey? It didn't make any sense. They're like, he was the one giving them all financing these, yeah. their lives, right? Like and the money doesn't he went, go to them when he dies, right? And when he went to their, when he was came to the apartment, the money that he was supposed to have was going to Victoria. So I mean, he paid for their apartment, their bills, Victoria's school. So what was like a few thousand dollars that he supposedly had in the safe? Yeah. So Terry said she didn't know where Victoria and Trey had gone, but she did tell police why she thought that Trey and Victoria might have wanted Jeffrey dead other than the money. So according to Terry, Jeffrey and Victoria were having an affair behind <gasps> Crystal's back, and Trey had learned about the affair, and that's why he wanted her to killed. do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So police started to search for the couple, and for two days, Victoria and Trey were fugitives, and then they got a call from Trey's cousin in Jacksonville who had heard from Trey. He was like, I saw it on the news. I heard from Trey earlier today. And Trey and Victoria are coming over here later today to get a car because they want to drive back to Chicago. So police asked the cousin basically to ask as act as bait and wait for Trey to come. And so the cousin meets Trey at his house. He opens the door for him. And as soon as he opens the door for Trey – police officers swarm and arrest him. And they found Victoria sitting in the car. So both of Victoria and Trey were arrested and charged with murder. And when she was questioned, Victoria told police that it wasn't her and Trey that had robbed Jeffrey, but instead Terry and Trey. She said she was an innocent bystander, that she had come out of the bathroom and she saw Terry with a knife and Trey with a gun and she said basically she was the one who was forced to go along. She said she had been the one to shoot Jeffrey, but only because Trey had forced her to, that he had basically said, it's either him or mm -hmm. you. She denied that she'd had an affair with Jeffrey. And I do – I want to say here that there are some allegations. It was mentioned in a couple of places that it wasn't actually an affair that Jeffrey had, had started having sex with Victoria when she was 15. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that basically in exchange for giving her money, he was demanding sex. Ugh. And though everything mm – -mm. every place it was mentioned they called it an affair, like that would be statutory yeah. rape. And that would put the whole crime in a different light. But from what I can say, that is – was never substantiated by Victoria. That was only Terry – from Terry. But I don't know. It was brought up in a couple different places. So I think – and Terry was older than Victoria. Terry was a couple years okay. older than Victoria. At this point, Victoria was like in her was like 21 or 22. So that would put Terry as like 23 or 24 mm -hmm. at the point when the murder happened. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know. It makes it very dark, which yeah. you know, I was telling you beforehand that this is like one of those where you get into the story and then you're like, oh, shoot. yeah. Not that a murder isn't already, dark. already awful. So, well, yeah. Okay. But it, nothing, it's, it's, it's unclear what's, what the truth is. Right. So mm-hmm. it's I alleged that. that they were. Yeah. It's alleged. Yeah. So when Trey was questioned, he said that he was only after the money. He said he didn't know anything about Jeffrey and Victoria being together. He said that the shooting had been an accident. He said he never told Victoria to shoot Jeffrey, but that the gun just went off. So now police have three different stories. Everyone's pointing fingers at each other. And so they're like, I think everybody's involved at some in some level. Mm-hmm. So police also arrested Terry, and they decided to take all three of them to trial. So Victoria stood trial first, and one thing that came out during the trial was that before the shooting, Crystal had started pushing Jeffrey into cutting her sisters off monetarily. Crystal had felt like they were taking advantage of Jeffrey, and she wanted them to learn how to earn their own Mm -hmm. money. And... Terry ended up taking a plea deal in exchange for testifying against her sister and Trey. And so she told them her side of the story. Basically, she was innocent. She told the story as she had told police that it was Victoria and Trey decided to rob Jeffrey and took her along for the ride. Mm -hmm. The defense argued that Victoria had been manipulated by Trey and also by Jeffrey, but the jury didn't believe her. And they found her guilty of her brother-in-law's murder. Trey went to trial next, and he too was found guilty of the murder of Jeffrey Dampier. They are both serving three consecutive life sentences. The charges against Terry was drop- were dropped, so she never went to jail. Mm-hmm. Crystal Dampier inherited all of the money, and she actually gave much of it to Jeffrey's relatives. Oh, wow. That's nice. I know. So in 2015, NBC News did an interview – with Crystal Dampier, um, which was like 10 years after the murder. Mm-hmm. She said she had done a lot. She had, she had just been promoted at work. She had finished her bachelor's degree and was working on her master's degree. She said that when she heard the allegations about her sister and her husband at the trial, she said, it made me furious, angry, mad. He's not here to answer my questions. Ugh, that's got to be but so she said hard. She had, I know, right? Because she doesn't no, like none of it's clear what happened or why. She said she found, had found it in her heart to forgive her sister. She says it hurt, but it eased the pain in my heart. She said she also thinks that her husband would still be here if he hadn't won the money. When she is asked about the lottery, Crystal says, I think it's a curse. It is a curse. It is a you curse. Know what, so that is my story, man. That's wild. I actually – I had a quickie and then I – didn't use it because it was actually like way too short of a quickie, but the quickie uh-huh. was about a couple last week who had been playing the same numbers for the lottery for I think the last 20 years and they finally yeah. just won. Oh. And so, but it's like you want to be really happy for them, but I feel like there are so many stories of people who win the lottery, the curse of the lottery. There's so many uh, yeah. stories about people who won the lottery and then just things went bad because yeah this is uh yeah it's um i when i was looking up this story it was like included in so many of those like the curse of the lottery yeah. you know like of all these different people who had so many troubles after they won it's just it is really sad what money can do to some people and the people arounding people who win yeah it's 
it's just like a you know it's almost like i'm just like that's why like i don't have a lot of money just, on purpose you just know for that. On like purpose. i would be I, rich if i didn't feel like i would just have bad luck all the time you know right <laughs> i'm just trying to protect my family <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man that's crazy though oh man i would like i feel so bad for crystal and just i know and and I mean, it is alleged the affair between her husband and Victoria, but I feel like if the old the sister that's older, Terry, if she is, uh-huh. if she's saying that it happened, and yeah, know, I feel like it probably was. I do too, and it, and to me, it is the only thing that makes sense mm-hmm. as to why they would have murdered him because he was the one providing all the money yeah. and they didn't even get any money out of out of the you know robbing him and like the money that they got was already coming to victoria it just didn't make it doesn't yeah. make any sense like what would be the motive then and it was so just like it wasn't like it was sneakily done you know like oh yeah it just was um yeah it's the only thing that makes sense to me but also there's not really a way to no, to confirm it or not, um, but I have to. It's yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad. the whole thing's sad. yeah. That's the way those stories usually go, right? <laughs> that All right. Well, now but, I need you to lift well, us up. Don't worry, cause I got a nice story for you. Nice. Okay. So my love story comes from an article for people.com written by Morgan Smith, an article for the Washington Post written by Bonnie Miller Rubin, and an article for CNN written by Lauren Kent. Thanks everybody for all your hard work. guys. So as we've talked about this a lot on our podcast as of recent over the last year because it just keeps happening and happening and happening but we talked about couples having to reassess and replan their weddings during this time yes. i mean it's just happening over and over and over again but this is a story about how a couple took a bad situation or a not so pleasant situation and turn it into something really, really positive. Okay. okay. So um I love that. Me too. Chicago couple Emily Bug and Billy Lewis, who met in 2017 on the online dating app called Bumble. I know of it, never been on it, but I think never it's like it. that's where the woman um has to reach out. I think Yeah, the like, woman has yeah. to message first. Yeah. I have swiped on friends Bumble. You have? Uh-huh. Well, you know, I mean like for, for a friend. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Emily is an outreach worker at Thresholds, which is a nonprofit mental health provider in Chicago. They help people with conditions such as bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and major depression. So yeah. she does good work. Yeah. And then, that's um, hard work, but good for her. And then Billy works for an advertising technology company. They got engaged in July of 2019. And then of course they soon began planning their wedding like most mm-hmm. couples do. They had it all set. They had booked a cool event space. They had a DJ, a photographer. She bought her wedding dress, which was a beautiful slip crepe dress with spaghetti straps. Um, by the way, this couple is like gorgeous. 
Of course. (laughs) (laughs) She could get away with spaghetti straps. Right. Uh, That's uh, when you when you described the dress. I'm like, like, those were all the uh, things I was like, never. Super beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me neither. (laughs) I need that A-line empire Uh cut. Hide that gut. One hundred (laughs) percent. They were planning on having a big wedding. You know, it was gonna be about 150 people, and everything was all set, but then a little thing called COVID happened. and COVID. Oh, COVID. And like with many other engaged couples the last year, it threw a huge wrench in the works. So as we've all lived through this past year, you know, you have to keep reassessing uh-huh. and things change. So at first they were like, okay, we'll scale down the wedding to 50 people, you know? Right. And then when they realized that's probably not a good plan still, then decided, okay, we'll change the date. Then when dates approach... And things aren't changing. You get nervous yeah. again. So they got nervous again. And then they decided to to cancel the wedding altogether and then just go and get married at City Hall, and which they is what they did on October 1st. So they right. went and got married at City Hall. They said that they would rather go ahead and get married than wait for a seemingly never-ending pandemic to subside. We feel you. <laughs> we feel you. Um, we do feel you. Billy had said we had come to a place where we had some big decisions to make and we decided to just go ahead and get on with our lives. But while that's great, this was not without some big losses. You know, they had many non-refundable deposits and purchases that they had made. You know, the, right. the beautiful bridal gown is still sitting in its garment bag in her closet, which she should have just wore it to the... Yeah, the hall. but maybe she, she just beautiful. was like, well, we're still going to have the cer- yeah, like reception. Just, I want to wear it then. Yeah. This is just the formality. Maybe, you yeah. And so then they also lost the check that they had already given the DJ. And then they had already paid for the photographer. Her name was uh, Sophie Kazotz. Mm-hmm. Um, who, but she, you know, offered to take pictures of the wedding in City Hall, which uh, I believe they might have taken her up on. They had paid for their wedding venue, and then they had also paid a five thousand dollar catering deposit. Dang, I know it's a lot of money, and they didn't want to just lose out on all the money. But they also knew that we're not going to throw a party for one hundred and fifty people, you know? Right. So they. We're trying to figure out something to do. And Emily thought about it long and hard. And then she finally came up with a plan. She decided to ask the caterers, which is a Chicago company called Big Delicious Planet, if they could put that money towards providing Thanksgiving meals for all of her clients at Thresholds, the nonprofit that she works for. Oh, wow. Isn't that smart? And so it's yeah. and so giving. So and she also brought the Thanksgiving proposal to Heidi Mormon Coodle, I think is how you say it uh c-o-u-d-a-l see now we're all nervous about name pronunciation Uh, (laughs) who is the owner of big delicious planet and they totally loved the idea and then she brought the idea to mark ishog Uh um who is the ceo of thresholds and he loved the idea as well because last year their community center offered services to more than eight thousand people including young kids the elderly homeless people and veterans many of thresholds clients are they struggle with what's called 
food insecurity and they live right. on low incomes. And right. so this is already a tough time. The holidays are already a tough time for people with substance abuse and mental health issues. And you roll the pandemic into that and it, you know, it's just a compounded into a really, really tough time. And yes. so this was just the gesture that they really needed. Right. Um, so working with both Big Delicious Planet and Thresholds, Billy and Emily packed and delivered 200 Thanksgiving dinners to Threshold clients. The dinner included turkey, dressing, mashed potatoes, green beans, and other delicious sides. That's amazing. Yeah. And so Thresholds has also stepped up other ways to help people. They're doing mobile medication vans, and they're doing more telehealth slots for people, Uh but- while there's a surge in need, the donations have plummeted um, just really? because they usually have this annual gala that usually raises about $40,000 for holiday meals. And it was replaced <clears throat> by a virtual event, which just only brought in less than half that. It only brought in about $18,000. Yeah. So the boxed Thanksgiving meals could not have come at a better time because this was food that they just would not have been getting. Right. And Mark Ishog said, we hope they can still feel the warmth of knowing that we care about them. These small moments of connection are what's keeping us going through these difficult times. Oh. I know. And so it's causing what's called spurs of copycat activities. So when people are seeing act of kindness, like this huge act of kindness from Emily and Billy, it's making other people ask themselves, what could we do and think about like their wedding deposits and do they really need this and what can they do to help people? And there was another couple that took the deposit for their wedding flowers that they couldn't get back. And Mm -hmm. then they had all of the flowers donated to a nursing home. Oh, wow. Which was really nice. Yeah. And then also Billy and Emily did another wonderful thing where they they couldn't get back their deposit for their wedding venue, this place called Salvage One, which was a 6,000 square foot warehouse. They put the deposit towards a future event for the Epilepsy Foundation, which is another cause that's close to Emily's heart. Amazing. So she just keeps giving and giving and giving. And I just think it's so Wonderful. And I really hope that also the visibility of this story will spur people to make a donation to Thresholds because since they have not met their fundraising goals. Right. And, you know, because since they missed out this year. And also, you know, there's so much need for mental health services right now. Like the like they said, the need is higher. But also, like, it's a hard thing to raise money for because people don't really see it as something that they're connected to. Like it's easier to give money to like a children's hospital fund. Like that feels good. It's harder to think of like, yeah, yeah, of like a, an adult who has a mental health issue. Like it's, it's not as sexy a thing to give money to. So I just, I'm, I'm so grateful and amazed at this woman who's like giving them, not only giving her own money, but also visibility to this organization. Yeah, they're such a great couple. And they said that, you know, while it would have been fun to, you know, have the wedding and celebrate with loved ones, they said that the pandemic helped them be grateful for the things that they have. They said they're both healthy and employed, and they recently just rescued a second dog, which is a Labrador mix named June. 
Aww. Sounds adorable. And um, oh, Billy. Oh, her last name is Bug, so it's June Bug. Oh, yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> Very cute. Billy said, I'm lucky to have a wife who is clever and thoughtful enough to change a not-so-good situation into something positive for a lot of people. And Emily says she gets a little twinge when she sees her unworn dress. Even though she didn't get to have her big wedding and her moment down the aisle, she said that she she's received something more meaningful from family and friends and strangers alike. She said, so many people have told me that this was a beautiful way to start our married life together. And it really is. It really is. She, she told CNN, in the grand scheme of things, canceling a big wedding isn't the worst thing that could happen. We're happy to be married. We're happy that we could help thresholds. Clients feel the connection of a Thanksgiving meal as a result of the wedding cancellation. Mark Ishog from Threshold also said that another Chicago man just reached out to them to say that his re- retirement party had been canceled and asked if he could put the food deposit towards Christmas meals for those in need. See, See? look at your so right. You're- it's that snowball effect. Yeah. It kindness um, is contagious. He said it's an example of goodness begetting more goodness. In this time of despair, in this time of sadness and anxiety and frustration, we need more goodness. This is just one example of how we can take a really dark time and make it much brighter. Oh, I love that so yeah. much. What a good story and what a great couple. And I congratulations on your wedding and on being lovely people. And on your new dog. Hearts, and your new dog, Junebug. Yeah. I love it. I know. It's just like – uh, I just love the story. I just love the just like what kind hearts they have, and then mm-hmm. it just gives. There are so many people that are out there that do have wonderful kind hearts, but just didn't have an I didn't think that way, just, right? You know, so it's just like that's such a great idea, and I, for her to put it into action and spark that inspiration for others to give. I hope that it really does continue to inspire people or get at least give people the idea of like what what don't let all this food just go to waste yeah you know yeah I was really one thing that made me really inspired me this week is I know I keep talking about my job but I work for uh Atlanta Legal Aid which is Mm -hmm. obviously provides legal services um to low-income people in the in the Atlanta area and I was just so inspired this week because on top of like you know People are working for a nonprofit. They're not making that much money. But they also, there are people at my work who have organized to pair up clients with donors in in the city who want to sponsor a family for Christmas. And so people took their own time at my office and put together, there's over, they are sponsored, they matched donors and recruited families for, who got made wish list. Um, and I think they matched over 550 people. Wow. And I just was like, that's just really amazing. It just makes me so happy because I'm like, these are just these are people who are doing the other their hearts. They're already good people, but they're just like, what more can I do? What yeah. more can I do for my community? And I just I love that. It's really inspiring. Yes, it is really inspiring. And I want to say, so this is the first year that we haven't done it just because it is not a COVID-friendly event. Um, But my son, Sully, started this thing when he was five years old, when he, he had the idea to dance on this the belt line which is here in atlanta it's just kind of like a public park sort of area where a lot of people pass through the way that it started was my grandmother we were visiting our my relatives in new york and 
but he used to love to dance. And so my grandmother to be, who is now deceased, but to be funny, she started throwing dollar bills at him. Like yeah. he was a dancer <laughs> and then all, and then like he got all excited and all of my relatives start throwing money at, at his feet. And so then he had like 50 bucks or something. They wouldn't take it back. And I insisted, I was like, take this money back. And I was like, I'm not giving my five-year-old $50 for dancing. Right, right. And then <laughs> one of my family members said, just donate it or something. And then I was like, yeah, we'll donate it. That's a great idea. And then that's how Sully got the idea. He said, well, I should do this all the time. I should dance to raise right. money. So he oh. did this thing where he went out on the belt line with his little box. He started dancing. And, and the first year he collected, I want to say maybe like $70. And he bought yeah. toys for tots. And then it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And over the years, we've been able to raise like thousands of dollars. But this year is our first year. We're not doing it just because it's not a COVID-friendly event. But right. I want to direct you to another really, really great place to donate. Uh, Holly Ballantyne, who is a comedian, uh-huh. um, and she's also a foster mom. She's fostered many children throughout the years, and she is uh, she does this thing called Be the Village. You can donate gift cards or money on Venmo and PayPal. The PayPal is holly at bethevillage.net or Venmo holly dash ballantine dash dash btv and that and we'll um, put all of this in our show notes yeah and <laughs> over the last five years gary martin hayes which i'm sure you've heard of gary martin hayes and gary martin hayes and associates uh gary martin hayes and be the village has provided christmas for over two thousand children and this year to make it fun safe and easier for everyone they're providing gift cards to children and families for christmas and they thank you for your support so Amazing. i just want to direct everybody to please um donate there yeah I love it. I love it. And I love Sully and his big heart and and you and your big heart. I think that's wonderful. And Holly and her big heart. Holly and her big heart. To Holly. Awesome. So should we do something dumb and something we love? Yeah. I feel like that. Would, you kind of did it. I know. I feel like I did too. I jumped the gun a bit. You jumped the gun. Okay. So for my something dumb and something I love, you know, I think um, – I, I told you that we are not traveling for Christmas this year. Yeah. And that's dumb. We're not going to – we haven't seen – we usually go to Ben's family. So if I'm being with my niece and nephews and Ben's brother and sister-in-law, um, I love them so much, and his parents and his other brother. It's just uh, – it's a wonderful tradition, and we're really going to miss it this year. But we all decided as a family that we would just – not, you know, like it's a long way to travel. It's a lot of people to interact with. So we're just going to not do it. And, um, and that's dumb and really sad. But the thing I love is that on the flip side, we're going to be home in our own home for the first time ever as a couple. It's really great. <laughs> over Christmas. Yeah. We've never stayed home for Christmas. So I am, um, I am looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to kind of making our own traditions and figuring out, you know, uh, we we have always had such wonderful time there, and it's so nice to be with with this family who I love so much. But also, you know, it it will be nice to wake up in our own house on Christmas. So, and if you guys have, I want to hear what your Christmas traditions are and what your favorite thing to do is, like Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. And as we're trying to like figure out how to make our own traditions, so that's the thing I love. I love that. And there's nothing better than actually being able to like lounge around in your pajamas for a long time on Christmas morning. Yeah. <clears throat> Rather than like getting up immediately and having to like, you know, 
have your cup of coffee and then get dressed and run out the door and do all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, even before Ben and I got married, my parents were divorced. So I was always traveling to my family's and then I would have to like split the day, like go to my mom's and then go to my dad's. And and we used to try to do like, yeah, do both of my parents and then go to Ben's parents, like which, you know, they live across the country. So it just has always been wonderful, but like incredibly hectic over the holidays. So I think that even though I'm really, really, really bummed and really going to miss it because we haven't seen his family in like a year, it's just really hard. Yeah. Um, I'm also, yeah, really looking forward to like an actual break at home. Yeah. Even though that seems crazy since we've been home. (laughs) (laughs) You could always use more breaks. Mm. Can't we all? So Um, what about you? So, well, I guess something that's dumb is the fact that we can't do Sully's charity event this year. We can't do the dance party. Yeah. Um, but the thing I like, I, I, I'm just piggyback, piggybacking off the thing that I just did. Yeah. You already <laughs> uh, did your thing. Yeah, though. we couldn't. That's dumb. And then the something I love is this thing that Holly is doing. And I think it's great. That's where I'm putting all my money this year. But, you know, follow your own heart. Follow your own Follow heart. Your Follow own your heart. bliss. I'm not going to tell you where to donate your money. <laughs> but I strongly suggest that you listen you to You better. Me. You better listen to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. dude. We, well, did you know, we did another episode. We did another episode. We love you guys. We're so inspired by all of your kindness and um, if you guys want to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon. That's the, a great way to support the podcast. Another great way is to leave us a rate, rating and review. And the best way is to tell your friends. Tell your friends, hey, I have this awesome podcast I love. It's called Dumb Love. You can talk to us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Dumb Love Podcast. You can email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. Send us those stories. We would love to hear your story. And you guys have a great week. Have a great week. And also, don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum-da-dum, dum-dum, 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 d